Section 10 of Confessions of an English Opium Eater. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Geeson. Confessions of an English Opium Eater by Thomas de Quincey. Section 10 introduction to the pains of opium courteous and i hope indulgent reader for all my readers must be indulgent ones or else i fear i shall shock them too much to count on their courtesy having accompanied me thus far now let me request you to move onwards for about eight years that is to say from eighteen hundred and four when I have said that my acquaintance with opium first began, to 1812. The years of academic life are now over and gone, almost forgotten. The student's cap no longer presses my temples. If my cap exist at all, it presses those of some youthful scholar, I trust, as happy as myself and as passionate a lover of knowledge. My gown is by this time, I dare say, in the same condition with many thousand excellent books in the Bodleian, viz. diligently perused by certain studious moths and worms, or departed, however, which is all that I know of his fate, to that great reservoir of somewhere to which all the teacups, tea-caddies, teapots, tea-kettles, etc., have departed, not to speak of still frailer vessels, such as glasses, decanters, bed-makers, etc., which occasional resemblances in the present generation of teacups, etc., remind me of having once possessed, but of whose departure and final fate I, in common with most gownsmen of either university, could give, I suspect, but an obscure and conjectural history. The persecutions of the chapel bell, sounding its unwelcome summons to six o'clock matins, interrupts my slumbers no longer. The porter who rang it, upon whose beautiful nose, bronze inlaid with copper, I wrote, in retaliation, so many Greek epigrams whilst I was dressing, is dead, and has ceased to disturb anybody. And I, and many others, who suffered much from his tintinnabulous propensities, have now agreed to overlook his errors, and have forgiven him. Even with the bell I am now in charity. It rings, I suppose, as formerly, thrice a day, and cruelly annoys, I doubt not, many worthy gentlemen, and disturbs their peace of mind. But as to me, in this year 1812, I regard its treacherous voice no longer. Treacherous, I call it, for by some refinement of malice it spoke in as sweet and silvery tones as if it had been inviting one to a party. Its tones have no longer, indeed, power to reach me, 
let the wind sit as favourable as the malice of the bell itself could wish, for I am two hundred and fifty miles away from it, and buried in the depth of mountains. And what am I doing among the mountains? Taking opium. Yes, but what else? Why, reader, in 1812, the year we are now arrived at, as well as for some years previous, I have been chiefly studying German metaphysics in the writings of Kant, Fichte, Schelling, etc. And how and in what manner do I live? In short, what class or description of men do I belong to? I am at this period, viz. in 1812, living in a cottage, and with a single female servant, on y soit qui mal y pense, who amongst my neighbours passes by the name of my housekeeper. And as a scholar and a man of learned education, and in that sense a gentleman, I may presume to class myself as an unworthy member of that indefinite body called gentlemen, partly on the ground I have assigned, perhaps, partly because from my having no visible calling or business, it is rightly judged that I must be living on my private fortune. I am so classed by my neighbours and by the courtesy of modern England I am usually addressed on letters, etc., Esquire, though having, I fear, in the rigorous construction of heralds, but slender pretensions to that distinguished honour. Yet in popular estimation I am X, Y, Z, Esquire, but not Justice of the Peace, nor Custos Rotulorum, Am I married? Not yet. And I still take opium. On Saturday nights. And perhaps have taken it unblushingly ever since the rainy Sunday, and the stately Pantheon, and the beatific druggist of 1804. Even so. And how do I find my health after all this opium-eating? In short, how do I do? Why, pretty well, I thank you, reader. In the phrase of ladies in the straw, as well as can be expected. In fact, if I dared to say the real and simple truth, though to satisfy the theories of medical men I ought to be ill, I never was better in my life than in the spring of 1812 and I hope sincerely that the quantity of claret, port, or particular Madeira, which in all probability you, good reader, have taken, and design to take for every term of eight years during your natural life, may as little disorder your health as mine was disordered by the opium I had taken for eight years between 1804 and 1812. Hence you may see again the danger of taking any medical advice from Anastasius. In divinity, for aught I know, or law, he may be a safe counsellor, but not in medicine. 
no it is far better to consult dr buchan as i did for i never forgot that worthy man's excellent suggestion and i was particularly careful not to take above five-and-twenty ounces of laudanum to this moderation and temperate use of the article i may ascribe it i suppose that as yet at least i e in eighteen hundred and twelve i am ignorant and unsuspicious of the avenging terrors which opium has in store for those who abuse its lenity at the same time it must not be forgotten that hitherto i have been only a dilettante eater of opium eight years practice even with a single precaution of allowing sufficient intervals between every indulgence has not been sufficient to make opium necessary to me as an article of daily diet but now comes a different era move on if you please reader to eighteen hundred and thirteen in the summer of the year we have just quitted i have suffered much in bodily health from distress of mind connected with a very melancholy event this event being no ways related to the subject now before me further than through the bodily illness which it produced i need not more particularly notice whether this illness of eighteen hundred and twelve had any share in that of eighteen hundred and thirteen i know not but so it was that in the latter year i was attacked by a most appalling irritation of the stomach in all respects the same as that which had caused me so much suffering in youth and accompanied by a revival of all the old dreams this is the point of my narrative on which as respects my own self-justification the whole of what follows may be said to hinge and here i find myself in a perplexing dilemma either on the one hand i must exhaust the reader's patience by such a detail of my malady or of my struggles with it as might suffice to establish the fact of my inability to wrestle any longer with irritation and constant suffering or on the other hand by passing lightly over this critical part of my story i must forego the benefit of a stronger impression left on the mind of the reader and must lay myself open to the misconstruction of having slipped by the easy and gradual steps of self-indulging persons from the first to the final stage of opium-eating a misconstruction to which there will be a lurking predisposition in most readers from my previous acknowledgments this is the dilemma the first horn of which would be sufficient to toss and gore any column of patient readers though drawn up sixteen deep and constantly relieved by fresh men consequently that is not to be thought of it remains then that i postulate so much as is necessary for my purpose 
and let me take as full credit for what i postulate as if i had demonstrated it good reader at the expense of your patience and my own be not so ungenerous as to let me suffer in your good opinion through my own forbearance and regard for your comfort no believe all that i ask of you viz that i could resist no longer believe it liberally and as an act of grace or else in mere prudence for if not then in the next edition of my opium confessions revised and enlarged i will make you believe and tremble and a first ennuyé by mere dint of pandiculation i will terrify all readers of mine from ever questioning any postulate that i shall think fit to make this then let me repeat i postulate that at the time i began to take opium daily i could not have done otherwise whether indeed afterwards i might not have succeeded in breaking off the habit even when it seemed to me that all efforts would be unavailing and whether many of the innumerable efforts which i did make might not have been carried much further and my gradual reconquests of ground lost might not have been followed up much more energetically these are questions which i must decline perhaps i might make out a case of palliation but shall i speak ingenuously i confess it as a besetting infirmity of mine that i am too much of a eudaimonist i hanker too much after a state of happiness both for myself and others i cannot face misery whether my own or not with an eye of sufficient firmness and am little capable of encountering present pain for the sake of any reversionary benefit on some other matters i can agree with the gentlemen in the cotton trade at manchester in affecting the stoic philosophy but not in this here i take the liberty of an eclectic philosopher and i look out for some courteous and considerate sect that will condescend more to the infirm condition of an opium-eater that are sweet men as chaucer says to give absolution and will show some conscience in the penances they inflict and the efforts of abstinence they exact from poor sinners like myself an inhuman moralist i can no more endure in my nervous state than opium that has not been boiled at any rate he who summons me to send out a large freight of self-denial and mortification upon any cruising voyage of moral improvement must make it clear to my understanding that the concern is a hopeful one at my time of life six and thirty years of age it cannot be supposed that i have much energy to spare in fact i find it all little enough for the intellectual labours i have on my hands 
and therefore let no man expect to frighten me by a few hard words into embarking any part of it upon desperate adventures of morality whether desperate or not however the issue of the struggle in eighteen hundred and thirteen was what i have mentioned and from this date the reader is to consider me as a regular and confirmed opium-eater of whom to ask whether on any particular day he had or had not taken opium would be to ask whether his lungs had performed respiration or the heart fulfilled its functions you understand now reader what i am and you are by this time aware that no old gentleman with a snow-white beard will have any chance of persuading me to surrender the little golden receptacle of the pernicious drug no i give notice to all whether moralists or surgeons that whatever be their pretensions and their skill in their respective lines of practice they must not hope for any countenance from me if they think to begin by any savage proposition for a lent or a ramadan of abstinence from opium this then being all fully understood between us we shall in future sail before the wind now then reader from eighteen hundred and thirteen where all this time we have been sitting down and loitering rise up if you please and walk forward about three years more now draw up the curtain and you shall see me in a new character end of section ten Recording by Martin Giessen in Hazelmere, Surrey.